0: We're taking a look back at a time when Craig Ferguson was Britney Spears' only defender. Lana Condor will be behind and in front of the camera for a new Netflix series. And we're joined by Elamin abdul Mahmoud to discuss the changing tides of country
1: music. It's February 9th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Ratham.
0: And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So today is Impeachment Part two. How are you feeling?
1: Yeah, part two. <laughs> I mean, wild that we're back here again. <laughs>
0: I feel like it just makes sense that our first reality TV show president would have uh, his second season picked up for impeachment. Yeah. Like impeachment season two. The sequel. (laughs) It will be interesting. We will be watching for any uh, fun moments out of the trial. But we are, are just like with his past presidency trying to look past what is happening in many ways.
1: Yeah, exactly. We're like, we're still dealing with it. We're watching. But unfortunately so. Okay, so we need to talk about this video from Craig Ferguson refusing to make fun of Britney Spears way back in 2007. It's making the rounds again and for good reason. For those who don't remember what he said, let's refresh your memory.
2: You know, and I and I am starting to feel uncomfortable about making fun of these people. And for me, comedy should have a certain amount of joy in it. It should be about about us attacking the powerful people, attacking the politicians and the and the Trumps and the and the of the world, uh, going after them. <laughs> we shouldn't be attacking the vulnerable people. And I think, I, I'm gonna, this is totally a mea culpa. This is just for me. I think my aim's been off a bit recently. I, I, I wanna change it a bit. So tonight, no Britney Spears jokes. This woman has two kids. She's 25 years old. She's a baby herself. She's a baby.
1: This video is resurfacing in part thanks to the New York Times documentary, Framing Britney Spears, which we have feelings on and we'll be discussing at length in the future. But it's so true it's never a good look to attack the vulnerable. And I think what I really like about this, Zach, is like, it's clear when you have like your own personal gut check and you're like, I feel icky about what's happening right now and I don't want to be a part of it.
0: Yes, and you know, that's called like having a moral center, I think, (laughs) and so much about what we're learning about Britney Spears and her treatment through the New York Times documentary, is a lot of us weren't thinking, we're just like chasing the very quick high of like making a bad joke about someone, going through something very serious, and also the economies that were built around exploiting her trauma. And it's incredible to see that at least one person, one man was like, hey guys, maybe we shouldn't make fun of the 25 year old young person who's going through a lot right now. And it's sad that retrospectively, we wish more people would have stepped in, but at the time they didn't, and it's really, really sad.
1: Uh, It truly is. Meanwhile,
0: Lana Condor is set to make her debut as an executive producer. You're hearing that right. The To All the Boys star will be starring in and producing the new Netflix live-action series, Boo Bitch. For Netflix, the show is about, quote, a high school senior who, after years of playing it safe, decides to live an epic life, only to wake up the next morning and find out she's now a ghost. And, of course, the final movie, based on Jenny Han's book series To All the Boys, Always and Forever, will be live on Netflix on Friday.
1: Which I I am very excited for both of these things. I mean, natural next step for Lana Condor to be an executive producer. Um, And also I want to talk about, because this is, uh, may it always be the season of Jenny Han. She's another book series called The Summer I Turned Pretty, and that's being turned into a TV series. And she's writing the pilot, which I think is so cool because I love what, you know, in in the age of like Hollywood wanting any IP they can get their hands on. It's really cool when you get to see the author of Say, IP get to be involved in the TV series or movies that it's being turned into to have like that ownership. So I'm excited about that. Yeah.
0: I love the rise of the Jinny Han empire. I think she deserves, she has the range and she's Mm -hmm. putting out more books than most people who just try to write one book can ever do so she's putting up <laughs> books and movies and everything so she is a machine and we love to see it
1: and it's and it's also great because i think that they do with these books they do a great job with casting it's like a really great place to just have a very diverse cast you know this tv series can be anything we want it to be based on just like the heart of what Jedi Hunt gave us
0: 100 percent. all right when we come back we're talking to Elamine abdul mahmoud about the changing tides of country music stay tuned
1: Hey, this is Paris Hilton. Last year, I revealed the story of my abuse at Provo Canyon School. Since then, thousands of survivors have come forward. Now, I'm on a mission to expose the truth of the entire industry. In this weekly investigative podcast, me and my host, Rebecca Mellinger and Caroline Cole, will examine one infamous teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School this one is personal when you first get there you have to experience girls screaming locked up peeing themselves in the hallway sleeping and you're like where am i holy heck this is not what i expected listen to trapped in treatment on the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
3: From Cavalry Audio comes the new true crime podcast, The Shadow Girls. I always wanted to know what it
4: felt like to kill somebody. He started laughing. Prosecutors described him as a serial killer savant. Picking up these girls, getting them in a position of vulnerability, when he got a hold of their neck, that was it.
3: I'm Carolyn Osorio, a journalist and lifelong resident of the Pacific Northwest. I grew up near the banks of the Green River, and in the shadow of the killer that bears its name.
4: How many times did you bring the camera to One the river? time. Just one time. one time? He started fantasizing about having sex with his mother. Then he fantasized about killing her.
3: But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims.
1: We stayed in the woods. He always liked to go in the woods. He was just, to all of us, kind of strange you know how he feels about prostitutes?
3: Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: We're going off the beaten path a bit to talk about something Zach is very passionate about, and that's country music. <laughs> I love
0: that this being Frame is I'm very passionate about it because my <laughs> passions are derived from the fact that I am from Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. I yes. grew up around a lot of country music. I could tell you lots of funny stories about country musicians that I will share for a time in which we're all drinking. But I am a Black person, too. And I grew up understanding that to be Black is to not like country music and not understanding why people thought that because Black people created country music and everyone. And the Black side of my family, being an interracial person, loved it so, so much. So I'm so excited to talk, to, uh, to talk about country music today for many reasons.
1: <laughs> so, you know, unless you're a country music fan, massive fan, the biggest <laughs> fan around, like Zach, just kidding. This statement may sum up what you know about the genre. It's very white and very straight. But in the past week, two stories have surfaced that show that that could be changing.
0: You remember Morgan Wallen? He broke his COVID protocol before appearing on SNL. Well, now he's been caught using the N-word vociferously while drunk, which is both disgusting and unsurprising. But what has been surprising, Nashville's response, it's giving hope that the industry may at least be willing to do the bare minimum to diversify their talent pool and make way for more artists of color.
1: Oh, and that other story is that TJ Osborne of the Brothers Osborne has come out, making him the first openly gay artist signed to a major country record label. It's really so much to talk about, which is why we're so glad our guest today is Elamine Abdul Mahmoud. He wrote the piece, if Morgan Wallen's racism won't bring a reckoning to country, what will?
0: Hey Elamine, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, thanks for having me. Of course. So, this is an interview where we're breaking down some of the stereotypes surrounding country music, and I want to start out by pointing out that you, Elamine, are not exactly a stereotypical country music fan, which I love saying to you because I am from Nashville, and I hear that so much about other Black people. So, talk to us about your own journey with country music.
2: Right. Um, I've been, I think I'm a recent comer to country. Like, I would say, like, my journey with country maybe started four or five years ago. Um, I am a big sort of classic rock person and I'd never heard the birds album, sweetheart of the rodeo, which is this album that incorporates a lot of country rock elements. So that was kind of my gateway. And then I was like, wait a minute, do I like country music because <laughs> like, for the longest time before that? I was like, Oh, I listened to anything but country. Like I thought that made me like a worldly person or something. I would say that was people's first personality
0: before we yeah, had that. That was like, that. Country
2: like music was a first personality for people. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of that personality, but also guilty of eventually realizing like, oh my God, what an annoying personality. <laughs> what an annoying thing to build your personality around. Like country's great. It's wonderful music. You should listen to it all the time.
1: So when we do look at this broad stereotype of what country music is, we tend to think white. So very white. Yes. And conservative and bro and kind of racist. So yes. we maybe weren't so surprised when Morgan Wallen, a big star, was caught using a racial slur. What was your initial reaction to that?
2: Uh, it was a combination of that checks out, and also <laughs> at the same time, like that Tyra, we were rooting for you, Gift. Yeah, you know? like uh-huh. it was sort of like it was it was both both worlds. Morgan is is really good. Like his music is good. The first album that he put out was a lot of fun to listen to it was really compelling sort of small town country music um and then like he's been he's had a few run-ins with bad PR in the last little while um you you guys might recall that story when he was on SNL and so just before he was on SNL like he was caught violating their COVID protocols um and then like two months later he was back on SNL um because I don't know like the country marketing machine is strong and not like take no for an answer and so like you could get the sense that like country music was not going to give up on someone like morgan wallen they're just like never going to give up on someone with jeans that tight it would just it just never would happen (laughs) um and so and so like when that, when this story broke, I was like, okay, you have the number one album in America for three weeks in a row. Like, bro, like you might be a little racist. Like don't fuck up the bag this bad. How could you possibly fumble the bag this badly? Um, so, yeah, just disappointment, but not, I don't think anyone was shocked. I don't think a lot of people were like, yeah, this checks out. This feels like a Morgan Wallen thing to do.
1: Okay. So like you said, though, that the country music machine is strong. So what was the response from the music industry?
2: Well, so the first time that he made that SNL mistake, like there was a lot of rallying around him to sort of like just get him back up to the place where he was going to be because like he was on this verge of this breakthrough. Um, And then the album came out and it was indeed like as big a moment as we thought it was going to be. Um, this time around the response was swift kind of in the other direction. So, um, very quickly, his booking agent dropped him, um, a bunch of radio stations said, we're going to take him off radio, which is like a really big deal in country. Like it's a big deal in general, but in, in country music specifically, like radio is so central, um, to someone's rise. Um, so that was a huge sort of indication that like, no, he fucked up really badly this time around. Um, he also like, he got pulled off the curated playlist on Spotify, playlist on Apple, the industry itself sort of moved quickly to distance themselves from him. That was, that was the industry response, but did that affect his streams? No. Did that affect his sales? No. They went up by (laughs) 1000%. And this is like actually 1200%. I don't know why I undersold it there. I went up by 1200%, which is a stunning number when you already begin to realize that like, this is a guy who was at the top of the charts and has been at the top of the charts for the last three weeks already.
0: Yeah. it's wild and I'm so glad you bring up the industry because I want to go there because in your piece you talk a lot about how black country artists are treated by this industry an industry I grew up in the shadow of in Nashville like it is a very powerful industry as you've already talked about with the SNL stuff so you know when people think about black country musicians they always talk about Darius Rucker as the example which yes. is hilarious because Darius Rucker was already famous and <laughs> the blowfish from the same type of white people that already loved him so yes. this is like not a good example so anyway let's talk about this why is it that he's the only example we have and how is this industry just really blocking black people from thriving in the industry
2: well darius first of all i can't badmouth darius i love that man but also at the same time like every time that the industry has someone to point to they're like well look at darius we got one and it's like yeah you could have more though i think like it's a particular recurring embarrassment of country music that, like, they seem to make room for, like, one black artist at a time. It's sort of like how in the 90s they used to talk about, like, women in hip hop. Like, you can have one. <laughs> you could have one woman who's a rapper. As, and then, as a treat. Yeah, as a treat. Women can have one as a treat. And it's like black people can have one as a treat. And for the longest time, it was Darius Rucker. Um, and so... It's particularly frustrating right now because we're in this moment of like an incredible renaissance of black artists in country music. There are so many amazing artists who are doing great work um, and the industry is just not supporting them. And the biggest example of this is, is Mickey Guyton. Um, And Mickey Guyton has been signed to a major label for years and years. She has never put out a country album because for the longest time, there was like this question of like, should we position her as a country artist? Should we position her as an R&B artist? And she's like, y'all, I'm a, I'm a country artist. I assume she said y'all. I say y'all, and so did <laughs> yes, she. she said y'all. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, said y'all. Um, and so after she put out an, uh, a song during the Black Lives Matter uprising last year called "Black Like Me," beautiful song. Um, that song started charting. Um, it got nominated for a. For a country Grammy, which is significant because now it's kind of like this kind of embarrassing moment for the industry where you have Mickey Guyton, who has been nominated for a country Grammy without ever putting out a country (laughs) album. Like they just like never supported her. And like now she's nominated for a Grammy in the category, still having not gotten the support that she deserves from that industry. She's finally now starting to get that push, but like it's not there.
1: Okay, so on the other hand, there was another big, seemingly very positive moment in country music last week. TJ of the Brothers Osborne came out. He's the first openly gay artist signed to a major country label. What has the reaction to that been like?
2: So far, it's really positive. So TJ has a lot of support. And like, first of all, the Brothers Osborne are amazing. And I love them so much. And I was so happy to see that story and the support that TJ gets, because like he is Becoming the first is a huge deal, but also having your other artists rally around you is an even bigger deal. So like seeing people like Marin Morris, seeing people like Casey Musgraves tweeting that they're just like really excited about this moment tells you like. Country's changing, but it's changing slowly. And like, it continues to change slowly. And like, that's the frustration. I think there's like a misconception that country is like this very backwards looking institution with nobody in there being frustrated by this. But like the fact that we're even having these conversations is an indication that like there are a lot of people pushing for change. They're just getting sort of stonewalled over and over again.
1: Mm. Have you heard of any radio stations like pulling his music or anything? Because I know in the past radio stations have pulled songs with gay lyrics in it.
2: I haven't seen that yet. Um, That's positive, then. It is, but also like it's not like the Brothers Osborne are like new. You know what I mean? Like they're like this massive best-selling artist, so like there is certainly the safety there. Country Queer is an amazing blog that's sort of been keeping track of uh, queer people in country and how they're treated. I'm like what they do is document a like an evolution of how country views queer artists but also like we're not at this like inflection point of being like okay now we're good at this um so i would check them up because they're really good at sort of breaking it down i'm so glad you said that we're just Ellen, you're really giving me life today
0: because you know, I keep mentioning that I grew up in Nashville. I grew up in the shadow of this industry. And what I know most about it is that, you know, what they say in public is very different than how they act in private. And TJ Osborne has said in his interviews with Time Magazine that his friends and colleagues didn't know he was gay for many years. So people in the inside of country music didn't know this, just like they probably knew that Mr. Wallen was racist too. But what you're pointing to is that publicly they're repositioning themselves. But why is this public positioning maybe not the most authentic thing for country music? Because I just keep thinking about Lil Nas X, you know, just a few years ago did win, but country did not really embrace the black gay boy. He had to keep
2: doing pop charts and R&B and everything else. So what's going on here? I mean, they specifically said, you know, this is not country music, you know, and of course he pushed back against that. But we're seeing, I think, is a changing of the guard in country, but it's just sort of so slowly happening that it's kind of frustrating to watch for anyone, I don't know, younger than 52. Like there's this element of watching these things change, watching the conversation change. But also when you get to the, the highest levels of these institutions, they're not interested in the, the full out embrace of these artists. They're not really fully like it. It remains crazy to me that while you have artists like Raina Roberts, while you have artists like Britney Spencer, while you have artists like um, Yola, like Willie Jones, who are doing so well that they wouldn't just like, these These are all black artists who are doing amazing. Uh, that you wouldn't have country just from a financial and commercial perspective shift to embrace them in a really big way because like there is money to be made there. Like just like if you're not going to do it because it's the right thing to do, do it because you can make money out of it. My God. But there is sort of like that unwillingness to go full tilt has been frustrating for people to watch but there are these ways that we can see that it's changing you know like you can see like someone like jimmy allen uh has gotten a lot of support for being a young black artist um in the industry and like it's really great to see it but it kind of fits within that model of you can have one you can have one as a treat Mm -hmm. because he's Mm -hmm. kind of been the big one for the past couple of years kane brown too
1: So we've talked about a lot of like change and what change we're seeing in the industry, but I wanna like go back to older country music scandals. And you know, I I think about what happened to the Dixie Chicks. Do you think we've come a long way since then?
2: We haven't, we haven't. I mean like the fact that we keep doing this, I mean like this is sort of what the, 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 the thrust of the piece that I wrote for BuzzFeed was about is that like there are people who get second chances and there are people who don't and the people who get second chances the most often in country tend to be the white men Um repeatedly the Morgan Wallens of the world are going to get a second chance and the chicks were blackballed for 10 years, right? Like for like a decade, there was kind of like sidelines and they they weren't allowed to, you know, get that second chance. That is a long and frustrating history of this industry looking at people who say things that are uncomfortable to, I guess, white men and saying, no, like this doesn't belong in the discourse right now. So I'd like to say that it's changing, but it's not changing at a speed that's fast enough for us to detect, like it's sort of going to take a generational change.
0: And, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the stat, but it's pretty well known, I guess, in Nashville, that country music is the only genre that still sells CDs. Like country music lovers buy CDs at high rates, which is more money for the industry itself. And the reason for that is because it's an older audience. So do you think that's also a factor here for these young black artists that maybe need digital sales or digital platforms to kind of grow? Is that kind of why the industry is being like, eh, girl, maybe not today. You're not moving CDs yet.
2: Well, I mean, that's to say is that like when you have choices in terms of how, where to allocate your resources, you're investing them in the people who can move those CDs, right? Who can move physical copies at a Walmart as opposed to have massive digital sales. Having said that, you know, like someone like Morgan Wallen, he broke streaming records. I think he doubled Luke Combs previous record. Like Luke Combs had done 102 million in the first week and Morgan Wallen's done 240 million in his first week. So that's pretty incredible. And. We should say that like streaming is a young, young sort of industry. Like records are being set all the time, and the reason it's being set all the time is because like more and more people are turning towards streaming. So what that's teaching is, is that like country has a lot of lessons to learn. One of them is if you invest more in the streaming efforts, you will get more out of those, and that includes promoting your black artists. Yeah, um, and you know, before we let you go, who are some black artists people should be listening to after today? Who, who you got for them? Oh, my God. I would start with uh maybe Chapel Heart. I love Chapel Heart. Britney Spencer is amazing. Yola is so great. Yola is a British woman who does sort of country soul. And he, you like listening to her, you could swear that it sounds like what would happen if Aretha Franklin just did like a country album. Like, it's just Ooh. so I know it's incredible. Um I mentioned Willie Jones earlier. And he, he's just kind of like he's like a like a really cheeky guy, like a lot of like really fun sort of um very standard country radio fun but like he brings like this extra cheekiness to it that I really love so I would uh, I would start with those people Jimmy Allen of course um because he's just been so central for the past few years so let's start there
1: well I'm excited for my Spotify to change drastically yes yes thank you so much for joining us today
2: my pleasure thank you Well, that's it for today.
0: Join us tomorrow when Matt Stapira comes by to discuss everything Britney Spears.
1: And speaking of, remember, maybe don't make jokes at the expense of the vulnerable. Be sure to subscribe
0: to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories.
1: And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily.